Hi, and welcome to episode 93 of No Crying in Baseball, the Shark Week episode. My name's Patty, and I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. I am very excited about Shark Week. How excited? I am so excited. I have my baby shark wine glass, or mama shark, right? Mama shark needs another drink wine glass Uh that Mr. Potty Mouth got me as a gift. And I have been just enamored of Gerardo Parra of the Washington Nationals. Our new best friend. Absolutely new best friend. And little did we know when he got that title that he would have the baby shark walk-up phenomenon that we will talk about later. Awesome. The other thing that we'll talk more about later is the trade deadline. Oh, coming up very soon. But so we can't talk about it today because there is not a lot that has happened. But dear listeners, when you hear this, tomorrow will be the deadline. Or I, I guess if you hear us when we drop. And you should. really should. And you should. And actually, along those lines, let's stop for a second and do a little bit of business. If you've been listening to us for a while and haven't yet left us a review, we'd love it if you did. If you left us a review a long time ago and not since, we'd love it if you left a new one. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. We're going to ask you to hit the pause button and we'll wait. And you can hop on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating and a review. And that will help other people find us. And then you come back and you listen to the show. Okay, ready? Hit pause. And and we're back. Thanks, hey. everybody. I just want to say, if it's your first time listening, it could be love at first sight. You could go over and review us right now if you love us already. Yeah. They anyway. already did. Mm-hmm. They just did. On today's show, it's Shark Week. And so along those lines, we're going to give you our own No Crying in Baseball rules about participation in which Potty Mouth is very pleased with my ability to put aside some of my personal feelings In honor of the greater good. More about that, remember, Shark Week above in a few minutes. We're going to talk to you about our boyfriends, Jonathan Villar, Jose Ramirez, and Mookie, or Pookie, as we like to call him, Betts, and a couple other guys and what they're up to over the past week. We've had three first-time-ever achievements happen in the past week, and only two of them are about home runs. Baseball for All's National Tournament is coming up, so we're going to tell you more about that and some other news about women and girls in baseball. We're going to tell you about robo-umps, stealing first base, and more from the Atlantic League, which might have been a mystery to you, but it won't be when we're done with today. And then we're going to show a little bit of love for community-based baseball. All right, first, Jose Ramirez is back. You may remember many, many weeks ago in the preseason, I picked Jose Ramirez to come back after his end-of-the-last-year-season slump and be a contender for MVP this year. And we're talking Cleveland team, right? We are talking the Cleveland team. And I believed in him so much, and he continued the slump for the first half of the season. Hey, that sounds like my boyfriends. Right? Mm-hmm. Guess what? He's back. Can I tell you why he's back? So Please in, do. Over the past month, he has batted three thirty six. In the last week alone, he batted four thirty three and hit four home runs. Four thirty three. Four thirty three in the last seven days. And... One of those home runs he hit in the past week was his 100th career dinger, which was a three-run homer. And in the last 13 games, 12 extra base hits. So who knows? If you remember last year, Kristen Yelich got MVP based completely on his second half. Maybe I wasn't so far off by picking Jose Ramirez. That's a really good point. And the Cleveland team is on a tear, so now I kind of know why. I'm not totally happy about it because that's wild card issues for teams that I might maybe prefer to be getting the wild card. But, you know, power power to the Cleveland folks and nice nice pick there with Ramirez. And I kind of think that might help 
with my fantasy team a little bit. Oh, yeah, all those home runs. Thank you, Jose Ramirez. Hey, you know what? I actually have something going on my fantasy team for a change. And just as a little bit of review for you first-time people who are falling in love with us right now, we have baseball boyfriends. We each have one for each team that we picked a little bit because they're good at baseball, but mostly because there's something special about them that attracted us to them in the hangout and have a beer with them kind of way. Something special that they do, something quirky. And as you get to know us, you'll know that we don't always look for the exact same characteristics. <laughs> I chose Jonathan VR on the Orioles, which is not always a team that I'm really rooting for. But, you know, this year, you kind of got to love the Orioles when good things are happening. And good things happened to them on this past Thursday in a 16-inning game against the Angels. Power to any fans who are still there at the end of that. But my guy, Jonathan VR, is the one who won it at the end of or the beginning of the 16th. I guess they were in uh, at the Angels because he was the one who got a two out, two home run, home, two run home run. You can't get two at the same time, but two run home run, top of the 16th inning. After he had thrown out the potential winning run at the plate at the bottom of the 15th. And on top of that, he stole three bases in that game. So power to the O's for fighting it out for 16 innings. And that's the boyfriend quality that you want. A guy who's going to keep battling no matter what the team's doing, no matter how many innings you've been out there. So the day after that game, I was at a Thunderbolts game. This is our Cal Ripken Collegiate Wooden Bat League that's local to us. And I was talking to some family and friends about that game because the local fans would have had to stay up till 3 in the morning to watch the end of that game because of, thank you, California, time difference. I just want to shout out to any O's fan out there who did that. That is true dedication. So the most notable thing, in addition to um, Jonathan Villar's fantastic game, was Steve Wilkerson was called into pitch of the O's, called into pitch. He's an outfielder. This is the third time he's pitched in the month of July, usually in blowouts. Um, this wow. was not a blowout. That's... This was like this game is on the line. He is the only position player in the history of Major League Baseball to record a save. And because I knew that, I won free pizza at the Thunderbolts game because that was that day's trivia question. How about that? His pitches, he threw 14 pitches for the save at average speed of 54.3 miles per hour. They were actually too slow to hit very hard. That's hysterical. So they got Yeah, hit. so he couldn't have hit it out, out of the infield probably. But you know what? Steve Wilkerson is now in the Hall of Fame because Cooperstown came calling and said, please, we would like your cap and the ball that for which you got the last out on because we're, we're putting you in the Hall of Fame. So this is super notable that an Orioles player this season did something this season with the Orioles doing the way that they are that's landing them in the Hall of Fame. Pretty amazing. And then your boyfriend, Jonathan, homered again last night, Yay. which made the Orioles the first team in Major League Baseball history to homer twice in 10 consecutive games. How about that? And it just, I think that's another little plug that you never give up. You never give up on your team, no matter how much they're struggling. I know you're still out there rooting on the Orioles. And no matter how much a player is struggling, you don't give up on them either. Um, I guess Mookie Betts wasn't doing that poorly at the beginning of the season, but I wasn't as just adoring toward him in my talk this year as I had been last he year. He wasn't up to expectations because he set the bar so high. You know, it's kind of hard to right. stay at that level. And I did pick him to come back as MVP. So I might have been just a little grumbly that he was doing well, but not spectacular. Like I'm trying to do that 
that prediction push so that I can maybe get something right over the course of the season. My my chances are going down, but maybe up, maybe up. Maybe it's like the Ramirez thing with you. I've got I've got Mookie Betts. Season is long. He just had his fifth three run three home run game. There are only a handful of players, I think it's four or five, who have had five three-home run games. There are only two who have had six, and that is Johnny Mize and Sammy Sosa. So Pookie is young. He just needs one more three-home run three home run game, which, you know, I guess many, many players never do that. So just one more, Pookie, um, and he's going <laughs> to tie the record. And then maybe he could he could break it. But, you know— Pookie is is doing well comparatively since his debut on 2014, the end of June, June 29th, 2014. He's had 574 runs. And if you match everybody else in MLB since that time, he's got the most. So if you arbitrarily pick that date, because there's a stat for everything. So. <laughs> and math can be our friend if we bend it to our will. But as I said... Um, just pure baseball performance is not enough to be a baseball boyfriend for this show. On that game where Mookie Betts got the three home runs, he, before the game, hosted a kid from the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And so this kid, Nico Sapienza, 10-year-old from Massachusetts who has spinal ma- muscular atrophy, got to spend the afternoon at the ballpark. His parents and him got the tour. And the, the best part is a little video clip, which we'll post in our in our notes, where Mookie just sort of took him under his arm and brought him around to meet the other players. Oh, my Lord. And, yeah, you would have melted because first he's like, oh, here's Benny. And it's just so cool, I don't know, to hear the players call each other the stuff that we call them and the nicknames that we see printed. But he was like, here's Benny, here's Carita, when he was in- introducing him to Rafael Devers. So that was super cute to hear. And, and of course, here's AC. Which And then they pan over, and here comes Alex Cora. And they were each calling each other important, I believe. I think Metz was saying that this is the most important guy on the team. And then Cora turned to Betts and said, no, he's important. And then he turned to the kid and said, you know what? You're the most important. So talk about, yeah, that's exactly what it's all about. All about. Four eyes tearing up around Mm -hmm. the table right now. There have been a couple of other guys hitting three homers in a game, weirdly, all this past week. So that is our third and final never happened before for today's show, which is there have been, there's been a player who's had a three-run, a three-homer game. Why is it so hard for yeah, us to I get those Yeah, I have a hard time out? with that, too. Three players who have had a game in which they have hit three home runs mm-hmm. four consecutive days over the past week. Wow. Mookie Betts. My current boyfriends, Paul DeYoung and Nelson Cruz, and Potty Mouth's druggy ex-boyfriend, Robinson Cano. Yeah, so a little bit of explanation on that. I picked him at the beginning of last season before he was extensively suspended for PED stuff. PED masking, actually, I think is what it was. Um, So I dropped him mostly because he was suspended, not because he was a druggie, because that's not necessarily a cutoff in my boyfriend judgment, but... Maybe it should be for the future, but it's super notable that of those four guys who made this record, they were all connected to us picking them. And a side note, I did not choose the word druggie. I did not put that in my notes. Yes, I did. Oh, some note sabotage there. I just stuck that right in. So back to Shark Week. We have been we have been sharing with you our hard and fast rules about baseball, largely rules for fans going to baseball games. And today we want to talk about. Rules for participation. And by that, we mean like things that happen in the stands that are sort of community building, they're unifiers. Some of them, we kind of feel like they're compulsory. 
And we're going to be. Wait, we, we in air quotes there. Well, not you. <laughs> the guys. royal. Well, I'm not sure about the compulsory thing. I guess I have okay. a hard time, especially because one of these things that we're going to talk about, I refuse to do when I'm in that ballpark. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, so for the okay, we'll talk about that in a second. So I didn't actually have that. So, there, yeah, that's true. I did put it in there, but there but go. even other stuff. I think that for me. It's a really good way as either a visitor or a member of that fandom to be part of the scene there. And if you choose not to not to participate, you are being a little bit of a of a stink bug. You're kind of <laughs> thumbing up your nose a wee bit and we can talk we about might mock that. You. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's your freedom. So let's talk about some things that we feel are generally yeses. How about that? Okay. Generally yes is that if you are part of the fandom and the fandom does this, it's awfully good for you to do it with them. So um, so Potty Mouth had some suggestions of things that people do during the national anthem. Yeah, and here comes my first protest. So the big thing at the Orioles Camden Yards that you ha- can't miss is everybody screaming, oh, for oh, say, can you see? And I usually go there to it's, watch it's my Red not Sox. That, oh, it's the O at the end. Oh, it's over, yeah. Which O is it? It's, oh. it's near the end. We don't start that's, that way. We start that's very true. respectful. I don't know <laughs> I don't what know you're about talking that. about. There's some O that is at the end. I didn't, my my yeah. lyrics, my knowledge of the lyrics is not quite that cemented. I usually go there to watch the Red Sox, so I don't yell O. So maybe if you're watching the opposing team, that's okay. But what super pisses me off, and I know that we differ on this, is when we're at Nationals games and there are Oreo fans there yelling O. Like me and my daughter. True. Yeah. Yeah. And I just glare at you guys. But you know what? This actually goes into the other ones. I remember last year at the All-Star Game, it was hysterical because everybody yelled their thing. So the O's have the O, the Reds have the Red, and the Braves have the Brave. And I think those are, I don't know, but listeners, please let me know if there are any others. But it was kind of cool to hear like patches around the stadium yelling the word that they yell. Yep. So when um, when Michael Phelps won a gold medal and the national anthem was being played at the Olympics, they had a close up on his face and somebody in the crowd yelled, oh, at the appropriate time in the national anthem. And he just broke down because he was like, oh, that's home. That's home. Right OK, there. that's a good thing. That is so very appropriate. I think, I think one of our points here is if you are visiting and it's, you're rooting for the opposing team, this doesn't apply to you. This is really like, you know, the home team. This is like your fandom point, that we're talking point. about. Yeah. So I will say absolutely the compulsory thing is, damn it, get on your feet and sing Take Me Out to the ball game during the stretch. Who raised you if you didn't do it? And if you weren't raised in baseball, we're raising you now. Get on your feet, belt out, take me out to the ball game. Put your arm around your family, your friends, and have a good time and celebrate the fact that you're in a ballpark. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That's something everybody can do. There are people who squabble a little bit. That's There are some ballparks out there that replace take me out with God Bless America. During the 7th? Or they do both on uh-huh. certain days. Some do both. Um, Sit quietly, the, let it go by. Yeah, the God Bless America, I feel that's your choice. It depends on how you feel about it. It's not compulsory. Do what you want. Just be respectful. The compulsory part is take me yeah. out to the ball game, my friends. Now, a lot of parks have full songs that they employ either as part of the stretch or other times. And if you know this song, you embrace this song and you get into it for the Orioles. It's thank God I'm a country boy. And and for the record, I do sing that. I don't yell the O, but I will <laughs> sing Thank God I'm a Country Boy because it's hysterical. It's fun. It's super fun. Yeah. And they and they give you the lyrics in case you're new to John Denver oldies from yeah. the 70s. As do the Red Sox. And and you guys were super impressed when we went there and saw Sweet Caroline, which is in the middle of the eighth, which is kind of a, a random time to do a song. Um, and they also put the lyrics out there. And the Blue Jays have their own song 
called OK Blue Jays, and it has really sweet lyrics um, that they put up there. So power to the Blue Jays for writing their own tune and getting everybody to sing it. My favorite line from that, which I just learned because Potty Mouth pointed it out because I've <laughs> never been to a game in Toronto, is, is that a fly ball or a seagull? Yes, that's the <laughs> one. that was the one that I was really trying to remember, and it was escaping me. Thank you. All right. There's some celebratory things that fan bases do. Um, in Nats Park, when a home run is hit... There is the take off your cap, wave it in the air, in the air, and yell N A T S, Nats, 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 woo. woo! We refer to it as wooing. Yes, and you know there are some folks who kind of sit there with their arms crossed and, and look bitter about the wooing, who are actually Nats fans. But I think we have sufficiently bullied any of those who sit near us that they now get up and woo. Mister Pottymouth was an anti wooer, and now he has been wooing. So and it's you know a good it's thing. just fun. You're just being happy for your team. So mm-hmm. get with the program. So I hear there's some things that involve more cowbell. Or Cowbells. Less cowbell. So this was, I went to see a Rays game, and it's a dome, folks. It's a dome, and people bring cowbells. It is the worst sound. I'm I'm going to be respectful to you Rays people and say, yeah, you got your thing. If the cowbells work for you, it's your right. I don't know about the compuls- compulsory part. Com- yeah, compulsory. I said that right. <laughs> well, no one's going right to make you buy a cowbell. Right, right. I guess you could put up with it. But w- w- the, what I do appreciate is the Rays organization has cowbell rules, which they apparently post during the games. It says, ring your cowbells when the following occurs. A Rays pitcher has two strikes against a batter, or a Rays player reaches base or scores a run. So that's a little more than the woo. The woo is just for scoring a run. But just for I hitting get, a home run, specifically. The, the, we woo oh, every I'm time not, there's a run. Yeah, lying. yeah, we woo for wow. every run. Wow, see, day drinking. Above. There we go. Yeah, no, I can yeah, every run. <laughs> and every and we usually run. do that while we're wooing. But Yes, all that too. All yeah. that too. But interestingly, um, there are Rays fans who have been removed from the stadium for excessive cowbells. And the one story that I saw was on a Red Sox day, power to my Red Sox people who are down there sick of the fucking cowbells in their ears and complained because it was actually excessive cowbell use. So, yeah. So the reason that all of this came to um, the fore right now is frickin' Baby Shark. Ooh. So you may know I adore that, it. that Potty Mouth loves Baby Shark <laughs> so much. She embraces it with both arms. I put both arms in front of my head saying, please go away with your Baby Shark. <laughs> and our new best friend, Gerardo Parra, has started using it as his walk-up song. He's got a two-year-old kid. He gets a pass. Right? It's not like I'm trying to get on a bandwagon. He's got a baby. Babies love Baby Shark. Babies and Potty Mouth love Baby Shark. I'm, I, I like both of those things. I potty mouth, potty mouth and, and I like babies. babies. Other people's babies. Other people's Potty Mouth right. and my own Potty Mouth. So all of a sudden, the fan base at Nats Park has risen as one and starts doing the whole Baby Shark with the arms and the whole thing. And I said, you know what? I can hate the song, but I love my team and I love the fans and I am part of this. And so I get up to and I full on baby shark with potty mouth and, you know, 30,000 of our friends works. So that's the cool thing is that the baby shark thing has been getting bigger and louder and it works the past three times that we've seen him pinch pinch hit. He's gotten a hit off of the baby shark. And then as, as I talked about last week, I also credit Trey Turner's cycle to baby shark fallout. So the baby shark <laughs> movement is a mighty one. 
I was watching the Red Sox the other night, and I swear I heard Baby Shark for Christian Vasquez. Oh, so I don't know. They might be muscling in on our, on our shark situation. So, yeah. So Parra's not the first one to do it. We talked about Elvis Andrus doing it, again, because they, he's got a small child who likes it. All but right. I don't think the whole stadium picked up on it the way they do in Nats Park. Any Buffett fins out there, I, I want you to hook us up with some shark fin hats. I, I know you Buffett people have an in on those, so please let me know where to get one. So there are some other things that people try to get going in the stands that I'm going to put in the category of nobody really cares anymore. And one of them is the wave. That's so like 1982, right? It's, I mean, it's old. It's also something that fans seem to do when they're bored with the game. And I think, oh, maybe you could just try to find a way to get engaged with the game. And it's a distraction. It's a distraction to the pitchers and to the batters. Yesterday, I saw it as a bit of a troll. So the Dodgers were pummeling our nationals yesterday, and we were sitting through it, and there were two sections in the outfield that had a lot of Dodgers people, and they kept trying to get the wave going, and it would just stop. So one section would wave, the next one, and then they would just keep going back and forth because I guess that's where the Dodgers fan base ended in that area. There's one hard no, I think, that we agree on mm-hmm. and with uh, our no crying baseball rules here, and that is the frickin' tomahawk chop. We cannot endorse anything that's a slur, that's racially charged, that be, can be construed as that. Just give it up, people. It's not okay. And I am super offended when they do it at Nats Park. It just, just get that the fuck out of my ballpark. Yeah, right. no. Yep, so there's that. So I know there's a lot of ballparks we haven't gone to, a lot of teams we haven't seen in person. And so you, our dear listeners, may know of a lot more of these things that fan bases do to get fired up and do as a group, as a community building thing. So hit us up. You can find us on Twitter at NCIB Podcast or on Facebook at No Crying in B-Ball. So please tell us your stadium stories. Exciting baseball news coming up next weekend. The Baseball for All 5th Annual Nationals Tournament is happening from July 31st through August 4th in Rockford, Illinois, home of the Rockford Peaches. And this is the largest and longest running girls baseball tournament in the United States. And part of me, you know, like when you said five, yay, but I'm also like, wow, we've got a ways to go. This is a solid start, solid start. And super kudos to Justine Siegel for being just tireless in working on this and year after year getting bigger and bigger really exponentially to get to this point. So there's there's at least 350 girls coming ages 7 to 18. And two of the divisions, the 15 and under and 18 and under, are going to be playing at the same stadium, where the Peaches played, the nice. Byer Stadium. So a little bit of, of um, extra excitement there, being able to be a part of that. And this year, MLB actually is getting a little bit involved. So MLB and the MLB Players Association are funding scholarships for 50 girls to take place. But wait, there's more. But wait, there's more? They are listening to you, Patty. Thank God. Yeah, it's about time. So right in the (laughs) beginning, I don't know, I've got to go back and look it up. But a long time ago, Patty said, you know, the real way to get girls in baseball uh, booming and recognized is- Legitimized. There you go. Those were your words. (laughs) And is to (laughs) use current uh, teams and stadiums. Get them in the stadium. And that's what they're doing. They're collaborating with the White Sox. And there will be an on-field parade- at the White Sox-Mets game on July 31st. And the coolest part is that the All-American Professional Girls Baseball League players are coming back to be with the girls, to see those two generations together 
on a ball, like a, a major league field is a really good thing. Um, last year, there were champs from all over the place. The 18 and under had a California-based team, the Evolution, who was champs. 15 and under had our own DC force, Go DC. 13 was Chicago Pioneers, and the 11 and under had the LA Monarchs. So I, that just goes to show that there are teams everywhere who are strong, who are competing. If you would like to support a player going, DC Girls is fundraising, and we put the link in the notes, and I've already retweeted it, and I think if it's if we haven't posted it on Facebook, we will very shortly, but sponsor these girls to go because it's an amazing experience. Hey, the other thing that you posted um, along those lines of girls teams everywhere was that really cool map that mm. Baseball for All did that showed specifically where around the country there were girls baseball teams or leagues. And check that out. And more than just our country, and Baseball for All is going to have girls from Canada and probably other countries as well. I think there was even Australia at one point. Um, and speaking of Canadian Canadian phenoms, I was trying to say that. I just like Canadian. So it's like Canadian. Canadian phenom. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do some Canadian accenting here. At least I'm going to try. Eight-year-old player in Toronto, Ashlyn Theron, who I really should have looked up how to pronounce her last name, damn it. But she's been making the rounds on social media lately because of a killer catch, just laid out catch that she did that got on on video and got out there. Turns out that she has been playing for the Eastern Ontario Baseball Association, which is just a little league. So, so theoretically open to anybody, but there aren't a lot of girls. And she's the only one on her team. And this video went viral. But the backstory is, well, obviously she's pretty good. And last season when she was seven, she was awarded MVP by the opposing team when her team was playing in the, the regional finals, team. which I don't <laughs> quite get how that happens, but it did. And then after that, a parent on her own team made a comment about how she should be playing softball, not baseball. Would that be because her talent is crowding out her own son's lack of talent and she's bitter? That might be I'm an inference. I'm going to spread that rumor because there, I'm ticked that this parent said that. I, yeah, there's really not a good reason why a parent should say that. Like, it's none of your fucking business to begin with. The girl's playing well, obviously, but she didn't hear the comment and she didn't know about it. And she did get put down. I, this sounds like a pretty stellar league because she put got down to single A. And just worked on her skills and fought it out. And then this week when the video went viral, she heard about it and sort of gets to thumb her nose at them a little bit. And she's going to Baseball for All. And because she doesn't play with a girls team, the cool thing that Baseball for All does is they will make teams with whoever wants to come. So she's going to be playing with a San Francisco Bay-based Sox. Share the headline. It was such a good headline that you saw oh, about the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the best part. So I think it was a, a Canadian radio station. The headline was, girls shouldn't play baseball. Here, hold my Gatorade, eh? <laughs> Did I get Love the it. A accent it's all right? It's close enough. It's all close right. enough. You need a little bit more Bob and Doug McKenzie Oh, time. I missed that one. Yeah, That's see? my bad. All right. Uh, locally, we have a female pitcher in the aforementioned Cal Ripken wooden bat league. Is that how to say That's it? Most of the words. Most of those words. <laughs> Kelly Jenkins, who plays for the Bethesda Big Train, named after Walter Johnson, I found out. 
um, which I guess seems pretty obvious to most of you. But she goes to St. Mary's College. She's pitching for Bethesda Big Train. She's a relief pitcher. She's had two outings. She's done as well as the guys, it seems. The first one was stellar, and the second one that I saw, she gave up a few runs. But she's out there and, you know, doing as well as anybody else. So I'm going to put in a plug for watching local baseball. Of course, you know, there's Little League, but there's also probably near where you are some sort of collegiate wooden bat summer league. This is where the college players hone their skills over the summer. You know, when they're on their summer break, they play with the best other players in the country. And we've got a team, the Thunderbolts, the Tacoma and Silver Spring Thunderbolts that plays right near us. In fact, our my kids' high school, and we love to go see them. And the Bethesda Big Train, the aforementioned with Kelly Jenkins, is part of that league. And her team and our local team made the finals, and they are playing in the finals this week, a three-game um, series, best-of-three series. And this is the Thunderbolts' first time in the finals since 2006. Yay. So go T-Bolts. Yeah. Very excited. The seats are good, and the Price is cheap. It's it's totally worth going. There might be some other local baseball you can go see that's actually professional ball, but not MLB professional ball. That's the Atlantic League. The Atlantic League is an eight-team unaffiliated league. That means these guys are not a minor league program for a major league team. These are their own eight teams. And they're in North Carolina and New York and Connecticut and Pennsylvania and Maryland. And weirdly, Texas. Atlantic? Yeah. That's why I'm saying Hmm. weirdly because it's the Atlantic League. But I think there just aren't a lot of other professional teams that aren't already tied into Major League Baseball. This is their 20th year. And in the past, MLB sort of like kind of brushed them aside. It's like, let's don't pay attention to the shiny thing over there. These, These are our farm teams over here. Things changed this year a little bit. In February, MLB signed a three year agreement with the Atlantic League to try out new rules. So they get to be the lab rats or the guinea pigs. They are the guinea pigs for a bunch of new things. And the, and the Atlantic League is not afraid of this. They like to mix things up a little bit to try to have more action, to make the game faster, which are things that Major League Baseball wants to do. So you may have heard of the Atlantic League recently because a few weeks ago, they made news because they had a player who stole first base. Wait, how do you do that? By changing the rules. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, like, what? So you know the rule about the dropped third strike. Right. So if if it's strike three, but the catcher can't keep the ball in the mitt and it falls, they have to throw the runner out at first right. or tag him. It's not, not the strikeout isn't enough of a strikeout mm-hmm. for the Atlantic League. They said that's for any pitch that gets dropped. The runner can, can run. run. So if it's, you know, if it's a wild pitch, but you're a bat, you can still run. If the catcher drops it, you can still run. I'm honestly intrigued by this. So everyone is much more on their toes for all of the time. So the other thing that was newsworthy this past week about the Atlantic League, you may have heard the words robo-umps. The Atlantic League would like you to say electronic strike zone because that's what it really is. But robo-umps is so much more fun to say. And much more viral. So they have this this track man tracking that can read where the ball is coming in. There's still an umpire standing behind the catcher because the umpire has got to say things like safe at home and was it a swing or not a swing and all of that stuff. But he's got okay. a, an Apple, he's got an AirPod in his ear and this magic um, robo-ump tells him what to say basically for, for, for balls and strikes. But it turns out that both the umpires and the players seem to be happier with it. They've had to tweak it a little bit to make sure the zone is right because the electronic version was like reading balls a little bit off. And so they've, they've kind of 
they've made some modifications, but they were test driving it for a while. And now as of this past Thursday, they're using it in every game in the Atlantic League. So it's a real thing now. And, you know, I feel a little bit better about it with you saying that the empire is actually there because I'd been seeing a lot of stuff about, you know, it's sort of like labor relations stuff and always the fear of replacing people with machines. And that doesn't sound well, but if they're still there and there's still stuff to do. And the umpires get to say things like, hey, it wasn't me. It was the computer. Blame the computer. Yeah, so much less stressful. Yeah, so there's <laughs> – so this AirPod that was in someone's ear is now also going to Cooperstown. But all the things <laughs> I read about it said that Cooperstown, Cooperstown is accepting it, which was very different language than – before with Steve uh -huh. Wilkerson, where they requested, here they're accepting it. So I kind of think it may be this icky little AirPod might have been thrust upon them. Are but they going to clean it? I don't know. That would make it less authentic, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> so a couple other things are, are test driving in the Atlantic League is something called a consistent grip baseball, which right now when baseballs come out of the factory, they actually get like rubbed with mud and stuff. So they're they're a little mm -hmm. bit tacky and easier to catch. It also makes them a little harder to see because they're not bright white anymore because they have stuff rubbed on them. They're experimenting with this new thing that's part of the the assembly process that actually adds this tacky substance to the balls so that they don't have to get rubbed with mud. So they are tacky enough for people to hang on to them when they catch them or when they throw them, but also they're brighter white so they're easier to see. So this is being experimented with in the Atlantic League. Yeah, you know the stats people are going to have a field day with that on how it affects drag and launch angle sure and all they that are. stuff. Because math and science are yeah. fun. Um, briefly, they also have a 12-second pitch clock. Oh, my God, a 12-second pitch clock. So if you are near an Atlantic League team, go check them out and report back to the class. That sounds fun. Locally, we have our own baseball league, our No Crying in Baseball Baseball League, our Fantasy Baseball Boyfriend Baseball League made up of these cool guys. And I continue to be in the gutter, in the basement. And Wait, I that's where you find your boyfriends, right? In the gutter. Oh, God. Oh. Ooh, oh. end of show burn. Oh. Yes, my butter, my butter, <laughs> my, my boyfriends are in the gutter. No buttered boyfriends. We have gone no. on too long. Oh, my God. One <laughs> beer and... Look what happens to us. Um, and these are boyfriends that not only did I pick, but I put in my starting lineup. Ronald Guzman from the Texas Rangers got optioned to AAA Nashville on July 23rd. Hey, Nashville's not that far. Maybe I could go say hi. He's got to get his batting rhythm back. He's batting under 200, 193. And we already talked about my Cleveland boyfriend, who I loved his story, Leonis Martin. He was DFA'd, and my guy Cervelli from the Pirates really got bonked. He's out on 60-day, which sounds like end of season to me. But you, my friend, you are breathing down the second-place leftovers. Your team is in third, but moving up. But yeah, only a few points behind, and I'm actually only a few points behind El Wombo in first. So I got my sights set higher. I mean, I love you, Mr. Leftovers, but I'm going for first here. And I will say, so what my Rockies boyfriend, Mark Reynolds, was DFA'd. So you know what I did? I replaced him. Oh, I did that yesterday. Did I Yay, finally sat down yesterday. And actually, if you notice, a whole set of the notes about a catcher that has nothing to do with anything that got in the, the podcast, uh -huh. that's about a guy I was checking out, but turned down. So gotcha. Yeah. Well, I, I've been doing homework for the first time all season. So actual baseball that we get to see happen and not just see the stats. Um, Atlanta's going to be in town for a couple of games. We're going to two of them, including a day game where I'm going to play hooky. Don't tell my workplace. Hope you get to go to some games this week. Check out some locals, check out some pros, check out some major league baseball. 
Please tell your friends about us. As we mentioned before, we'd love it if you wrote a review, if you subscribed, if you gave us a rating. And until next time, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Goodnight, Potty Mouth. <laughs>